shotglassdigital.com. A light breeze blows across the plains of South Georgia, or the swamplands of South Georgia. And we're talking all things geek tonight in the shadow of Comic-Con from San Diego. It's your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name's Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you, and uh, hopefully have a little bit of fun tonight. We're on that march toward episode 100. Uh, never thought we'd see it to like 2020 or some such. You know, 2099. Thought we'd be uh, hanging out with uh, that 2099 Spider-Man and Hulk and Doctor Doom, who actually came from the present into the future and got beat up, but then got new armor and was Dr. Doom. He was the same guy. He was the only one from the present day time that lasted into 20, 2099. But uh, we're all here. We're fine now here. How are you? We're headed toward episode 200 It's gonna or 100. It's going to be um, in about two weeks. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be amazing. Really looking forward to it and uh see what uh see what we got I'm, I'm working on surprises and such as even as we speak i've reached out to several people and hopefully hopefully it's going to be just a fantastic episode um someone actually emailed and said are we taking like congratulations and that sort of thing for episode 100 no not really um you know if you want to send in something like that that's fine i never really th- here's the thing i've asked you guys for enough this year I've asked you guys for enough for the next five or ten years. I've asked you guys for plenty. There's no sense in asking you for anything else. Um, And so uh, the hope is that you will be entertained, that you will enjoy the celebration, that you will have a blast uh, as we get to Geek Out Loud episode 100. So looking forward to, uh, to that as we get into things. Now, I'm being asked in the chat to explain the such as. There was a um, a video that went viral a while back. This has been several years ago, with uh, Miss Teen USA, uh, South Carolina, uh, young lady, who kind of messed up in the midst of her speech. And uh, you know what? Let's see if we can play it. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe 
that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our ed education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and right there I believe that they <laughs> yeah, right there and such as and such as so um and it's kind of become a part of our by our I mean the people I hang out with it's become kind of a part of our vernacular lately so we um so we just started to kind of rock, kind of just do that all the time. We're like, hey, we need this, 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 and such as. So, you know, and, and it's kind of slipped in a little too much. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to be better at podcasting. You know, I, I think about it on a regular basis. I think, how can I be better at what I do? Um, I, I try to write material sometimes as I have time and really try to, my, my goal is to make this thing so good that it's great. And uh, once we're great, we're going to move on to wonderful. And once we're to wonderful, we'll move on to perfect. Um, but right now, we're still at mediocre. So I'm trying to get good so that I can then one day be great. That's that's the goal. That's that's where we're striving toward. And so you got to do a lot of things to get there. You have to, you know, you have to really think about and plan what you're going to say and such as because if you don't, then uh, people, you know, around uh the the podcasting spheres of of existence and such as will um will be better than you so and such as so anyhow we're headed toward I'll say all that to say this hey everybody we're headed to geek out loud number 100 <laughs> and uh thanks so much for your support uh throughout the years and through uh this podcast we're two weeks away and already got a lot nailed down a lot of different di different a lot of a lot of different things happening for geek out loud 100 uh, i want to say thank you thank you thank you so much to uh everyone who's supporting us at patreon.com slash geek out loud patreon.com slash geek out loud is where people are chipping in monthly to try to help make the show better on a bunch of different fronts and and help uh, free up time and, and take stress off and that sort of thing of me to be able to bring you um, all the content that the Goldiverse is bringing you right now. Our featured supporter this week is a man we know as the quiet guy, George Hill. As a baby, George never cried. As he grew, he never spoke. One day, when he, when he was pressed to his breaking point with some bullies, he opened his mouth and uttered one word, stop. The bullies were knocked off their feet. The quiet guy has the power to shatter buildings with his voice, flip a car with a whisper. Enemies tremble when he clears his throat because they know one word is all it takes. That's the quiet guy. We know him in the chat as the quiet guy, and we really appreciate uh, his support. Appreciate, uh, we appreciate everyone's support of the Goliverse. You guys have been outstanding uh, with the Patreon campaign. This month alone, we're up to uh, uh, $816, I believe, um, <clears throat> of support raised and, you know, just working to get better and, and working to go further and, and make things greater. So thank you guys so much. 65 total patrons right now. And uh, what a huge, huge, huge deal it is to me that you, um, you guys have have been so supportive and helped us out so much. So, uh, as we move forward, we do it every time we're together. And this time is no different because there's a bunch of them to get to. Let's, uh, let's jump into some emails. Wait, oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Wait, wait 
as we move forward, this is really interesting. Brian Boshan, Brian Boshan uh, chimes in and says, Steve, you should totally get Dave Filoni on to Geek Out Loud to talk some Godzilla. As stated recently on Rebel Force Radio when you, Jason, and Jimmy Mac were talking, uh, Rebel Force Radio doesn't have the wide venue that Gold does to skip topics, but you do, and you could use your Jimmy Mac Connection Network. I don't know if it was Brian or not who way back when I was trying to get on uh, to what was then the Force cast, um, with J- with Jimmy and Jason. I don't know if it was Brian who actually sent the email to me and said, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you just have these guys on your show and interview them? And I was like, well, that's a great idea. <laughs> this is a fantastic idea. Um, <clears throat> I would love to have Filoni on to... Um, to talk some Godzilla. I think he could school me and school all of us. So uh, I've, I've began the process of trying to reach out and see, see, that's a great idea, Brian. Um, I'm trying to get in touch with his publicist and that sort of thing. So hopefully that'll happen. I would love for that to be one of the things that happened for geek out loud. Number 100. It would be amazing. It would be super to have him on, but uh, there's already all kinds of cool stuff taking place um, with geek out loud 100. So hopefully uh, there'll be even a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. This comes from Jason. He says, Steve! The Steve should be in a loud, red and a loud, excited voice. I hope I did that right. Steve! I know my father was never a traveling salesman, so I'm pretty sure you aren't my brother from another mother. Now, why do I say this? Well, I was born in 1977, and the more I listened to you, well, we had a very similar childhood. From a love of Star Wars to Transformers, Saturday morning cartoons, wrestling, Disney, Rocky, and so much more. Long live Optimus Prime. Hollywood, stop killing Optimus Prime. Please! If I'm not careful, this could be a really long email, so I'll try to keep it to a reasonable length, he says. Man, Steve, someday I hope we can just talk Star Wars. I love Star Wars so very, very much. Steve, thanks for your podcasting efforts. I really enjoy listening to your shows. They're fun, happy, and lighthearted, and simply wonderful. I'm not afraid to say it. I love getting to hear you laugh. Well, thank you. I love laughing. I love when someone in the chat or over the phone or yourself cracks you up. Great times. I listen as often as I can. Unfortunately, can't listen live. I live in the sticks and don't have access to high-speed internet. I do have an iPhone, so I download all the episodes when I'm in town and connected to Wi-Fi. I'll end the letter here for now. Life isn't always easy, and I really appreciate the laughter and smiles you bring to my life. Thanks, Stephen. That's from Jason. Well, Jason, I tell you what, I... I'll talk Star Wars with anybody there. I've spent hours, literally hours, um, talking Star Wars before. It's just, uh, it's one of those things. I get very passionate, and I really, uh, I completely dig it and enjoy it. So, um, but thanks for listening, man. And uh, it's cool that you're not able to be in around live. We've got a, we've got a great, and hopefully one day you will be. Hopefully one day. You'll step in and it'll be um, this amazing thing where you're like, oh my Lanta, here I am in the chat. I'm, I am Jason, or Bogue, as your last name is. Will West chimes in. He says, hello there, Steve. Hello there. I went to see the new Planet of the Apes movie on opening day due to a friend's request, and I'll have to say I really liked it. I've not seen any of the old movies, nor have I seen Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the first in this new series. And even with my apparent lack of knowledge of the franchise, I still enjoyed the film. Now I obviously have to go back and watch the first one. I just wanted to see if you'd seen the movie yet and find out your opinion on the franchise. We talked a little bit about this last week with Derek. I have not seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes yet. I did see Rise of the Planet of the Apes when it came out in theaters. And I 
You know, I, I've watched the original Planet of the Apes, and I don't know that I've seen any of the sequels to the original Planet of the Apes. I, you know, the, I'm. It's just, and and I saw the Marky Mark Planet of the Apes um, that came out, it, and it was disappointing to say the least. But, um, but the original Planet of the Apes, it's just never really been on my radar. It's never been something. I, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying I've never really gotten into them. Never had the opportunity to watch them. So. Uh, that might be an undertaking because that's an easier undertaking than I want to watch every Godzilla movie or watch all the Bond films, which I did finally watch all the Bond films. But um, to watch every Godzilla movie, uh, I think there are like six Planet of the Apes movies. I know there was like a TV show and maybe a cartoon too. But um, but anyhow, I, I've never really, never really got into it. So Shannon chimes in says, "Hey Steve, I've been listening to the Geek Out Loud." Since first hearing you a number of years ago with Jason and Jimmy on what was then the Forcecast, I'm now listening to nearly every show in the Goliverse. As a guy growing up in a small town in the 80s, I loved a lot of the same stuff you do. As I got to adulthood, however, I felt a lot of pressure to hide my geek flag, so to speak. I continued to read comics as much as I could, sometimes by sitting in a bookstore and reading trade paperbacks, hoping others I knew wouldn't see me. As a lover of Star Wars, I would buy and then hide whatever I could get my hands and limited budget on. To make a long story short... It really is thanks to you and the guys at RFR that have reignited my fandom for a large number of things I decided I don't care who knows it. Now I get to share my love of this stuff with my children and to some degree my very understanding wife. <laughs> Let's be honest, Shannon. You uh, you did the thing that maybe I should have done. You hit it all until you got married and you're like, oh, by the way, deep dark secret, you're stuck with me now. Anyway, I've been wanting to write an email for a while about a great number of topics over the years you've discussed from Smallville. You're still reading the comic series? I'm loving it. I've not been able to read the comic series in months. To cartoons, to Transformers, I really enjoy the newest movie, and it might just be my favorite yet. And, of course, Star Wars. But in the end, it was your talk about the Fantastic Four and Marvel Comics in general that got me to sit down and finally write an email. I stated I started back in the day as a fan of all things Superman, and while I still enjoy reading Superman from time to time... I would hands down say that I was and will always be a Marvel guy. While you enjoyed Fantastic Four and the Hulk, I always gravitated to X-Men and Spider-Man. In the end, that is what I love about Marvel Comics. Their different properties always felt so different, yet they shared the same world, and it worked. I know you never got into X-Men much, but did you ever get a chance to read X-Men vs. Fantastic Four from around the mid to late 80s? Of course! It had the Fantastic Four in it. I remember someone giving me a big box of comics they didn't want and finding the four-issue miniseries in there. That's amazing. Um, I love it and immediately wanted to find back issues of both series. I always hoped that someone would come along and be like, I've got all these comics that I don't want. Uh, that was always, as a kid, I'm like, maybe someone will one day give me a big box of comics. <laughs> He says, I completely agree about what you said regarding these epic storylines that were in comics, especially when they would cross over into other characters. That made you want to check out another comic or two, but never made you feel like you weren't going to get what was happening if you didn't. I also felt like they could weave a story over multiple years without, without it becoming bogged down and dragged out, which is something I feel like has been lost in modern comics. I continue to read comics as much as I can, mostly digitally or through some trades, but I've begun to grow tired of this modern push of trying to make everything bigger and to make it all count on some cosmic scene. Recent Avengers titles are frustrating because of the perceived notion that nearly every superhero in the world should be an Avenger and that saving the world is no longer enough. You have to save all of reality every time you turn around. 
I don't want to spoil anything either, but the way current issues of New Avengers is twisting the characters of Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, and especially the Beast and the hypocritical heroes willing to build weapons to kill untold billions and other realities makes me want to cry. Not that I don't enjoy modern comics at all. In fact, I really enjoyed the recent Avengers vs. X-Men crossover. AVX was amazing. And I'm digging what I've seen so far, the original Sin crossover that's currently playing out, and I haven't read any of that. Sorry for the long email, so I'll leave you with one final question for now. What is your all-time favorite uh, comics crossover storyline? Personally, I'd have to go for the original Secret Wars, followed closely by Age of Apocalypse and Onslaught. I will answer this question with your answer. The original Secret Wars is fantastic. Michael Bailey from Views and Longbox and I have um, have this great little kind of rivalry where he says it's Crisis on Infinite Earths, and I'm like, nope, Secret Wars. And it really comes down to Secret Wars was just so um, straightforward. You had heroes and villains from our planet being whisked away uh, to another planet by some all-powerful being just to fight. And you got to see all that. But in the midst of all that, Dr. Doom was plotting and weaving and twisting his way to, to absorb the power of this beyonder, if you will. And oh, uh, Spider-Man gets the black suit in uh, Secret Wars number eight, I think it was. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that goes down in, in this. The Hulk holds up a mountain, for crying out loud. It's, it's great. If you ever have a chance to get your hands on a Secret Wars trade, do so. It's really worth reading. Secret Wars 2, maybe not so much, but Secret Wars was really good. Um, I also really dug the Acts of Vengeance. We've talked about the Acts of Vengeance storyline here before. There was uh, a story that ran through the annuals one year called The Age of Atlantis, where Atlantis was kind of rising to attack, and it ended up being this whole, um, basically a cult trying to bring back this this ancient god, and uh, and that was pretty good. The um, the year before that, they did the Evolutionary War, which was okay, uh, but I always dug Age of Atlantis big time. So, so until you have a show talking about all things Twilight, I say make mine Goldiverse. That's from Shannon. Uh, he says, P.S. I encourage you to talk friends with Teresa sometimes. My wife and I love the show and have watched through the seasons multiple times. Between that and Disney Vault Talk, I might just get her to start listening to podcasts yet. Well, the wives love me around here, Shannon. I'm going to, I'm going to be straight up with you. The wives do dig me. Uh, there's a lot of guys who, who, who for some reason, um, they. I, you know what it is, is, is I joke about this. I'm every wife's number two. I, I cannot tell you the number of times I've had conversations with my friends who are married, and and the wives are like, well, we talked and we decided that if something should happen to my husband, God forbid, should something happen to my husband, Steve, we want you to be the one to step in and take care of me and the family. And I'm just like, I don't get a say so in this. I don't. I don't get a say in in this whole situation of um, of 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 whether or not I, I step into this thing. And, uh, and, and, you know, there's like, oh, I'm just supposed to be happy. I'm just supposed to be happy that, um, that, that you've chosen me as your backup plan, that you've chosen me as your number two. No. I finally told one of my friends, she was, we were talking about joking. I said, you know what? No, no. If God forbid something should happen to your husband, 
if if God forbid something, and I always you got to throw that in there. If God forbid something should happen to your husband, you're going to have to romance me a little bit. So as soon as you as soon as you get uh, get over your mourning period, and you decide it's time for Steve to come on in, you're going to have to pursue me. You're going to have to romance me. But anyhow, I say all that to say the wives love me. Get her involved. She'll dig it. Tyler chimes in. He says, the other night something popped in my head, and I would like to hear your thoughts on it. Maybe have you shoot it down, but here it goes. What if Luke and Leia's conception was a result of the living force reacting to Anakin's fall to the dark side? Well, Tyler, that's not how conception works. This is a family-friendly show, so we won't get into it. Uh, at, at some point, Anakin's fall of the dark side was inevitable, or at least very likely. So the living force, maybe even with some Qui-Gon nudging, mm, see, now it's getting creepy, made Anakin Padme's space contraceptive film. Mm, this allowed the Chosen One's children to either fulfill or push Anakin to fulfill it himself. What do you think? Um, That's a good question for the Star Wars corner. You know, I there's... Star Wars is a lot about fate and destiny and fulfilling one's destiny. And and it is a lot about the will of the living force. Obviously, Luke and Leia came about as a will of the living force in this, in this universe. Um, specifically to redeem Darth Vader? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it was that specific. I think it was more of just, this is something that happened. And down the road... Um, you know, uh, down the road, it, it just worked out because the force um, makes all things work together for good. Is that that's sacrilegious? Oh my, Lanta guys, uh, Tyler, another Tyler. That was Tyler Cardwell. This is Tyler James. I'm Tyler James. Um, he chimes in. He says, "Hello, Mr. Steve. I'm a longtime listener and supporter of the Goldiverse. While searching the voids of YouTube." I happened upon a video of the Christopher Reeve Superman battling the modern-day Hulk. I was immediately taken by it and couldn't stop thinking about the dynamics of each character and which one is truly stronger. I don't know who did these things. Um, let me see if I can get here. It's a three-part thing. Mike Habjan, Mike Habjan, uh, Habjan um, made three parts to this. And then the third part... The Hulk is suddenly he's he seems to be a little bit bigger, and um, he uh, he takes on Lou Ferrigno qualities. Uh, he actually takes on kind of Lou Ferrigno kind of. Uh, this is amazing. Just listen to this, and all of these things start out with like a recap of what happened at the very end of the one before it. Um, you hear the roar? It's more of a Lou Ferrigno roar, and his face up here looks very Lou Ferrigno. This is the third part, and he's just beating the tar out of Superman down into the ground. It is the Chris Reeve version of Superman, and the Hulk just won't stop beating on him. It is fantastic. The Hulk's got him by the throat now, got him by the neck, and Superman can't break that death grip. Superman's struggling. Superman having a hard time, and the Hulk just continues to pound him right in the face. Just with that big green fist, he's stomping a mud hole in him. And walking him dry. Beating him like a government mule. Oh, and there comes the heat vision on the Hulk. Superman begins to light him up with the heat vision, but the Hulk's fallen for that already once before, and so he just throws his hand over Superman's eyes. And we see the Hulk heal up really fast. These are really cool videos. Each one's about three minutes long or less. 
Um, the last one was published in December of uh, 2013. Uh, they started around May 2012. And, uh, man, he's got another part coming down the line. These, these are fantastic. I'll put a link in the chat to those of you guys who are... Um, listening live to check it out it is it is fantastic um i really really dig these things um tyler goes on in his email got distracted there uh he says uh my bet is on superman talking about which one's truly which is truly stronger my bet is on superman personally he says i believe his abilities are superior and overall he has a far greater intelligence than his intelligence than his green counterpart a friend of mine takes the other side, though, and is convinced that if the two should do battle, that the Hulk would beat him to death just as Doomsday once did. I don't agree with that at all, but I do know a lot of people that do. So I was just wondering, what's your take on the whole thing? I know you're a fan of both characters, but who would you more likely get behind? Our favorite alien or the lovable rage monster? Thanks so much for the awesome show. Well, it's a mediocre show. We're working We're working toward awesome. And I'll continue listening. Tyler, um... This is a this is a debate that has raged within me and with other people before. Um, you know, Yitzy asked if I've seen these. Yeah, I've seen them. Um, Superman and Hulk have met in the comics. There, there was a comic um, back in the seventies uh, that um, that was published uh, joint uh, Marvel and DC and. Um, and it was the, you know, the green, uh, unintelligent, you know, supposedly Hulk. And, uh, and of course, Superman during that time was just super duper, you know, overpowered and that sort of thing. Um, another time they fought was in the Marvel Comics versus DC uh, s- stories in the, um, in the 90s. And fans actually voted on who would win the fight, and Superman won that based on the fact he said he had more to live for, that kind of thing. Um, here's the thing you got to know about the Hulk, really, to understand it is, um, or to understand this fight is that the matter the Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. The Hulk is that's the key to his. The key to his strength is his anger. And so with the Hulk, um, the matter he gets, the stronger he's going to get. And we've seen Superman fight uh, Doomsday, which is essentially kind of a Hulk-type character in a way. And, and that's what killed Superman. But that was a different era Superman too than what initially met the Hulk back. It's, it's weird. You get into different eras and that sort of thing. A lot of people say when in doubt, go with the guy who has laser beams that shoot out of his eyes. But I don't know. The question is, can Superman get tired? Will Superman wear down because of the Hulk? If you keep fighting him, he's just going to keep getting angrier and angrier and angrier. The key to all these type fights is to remember these are both heroes. These are both good guys. They're not, uh, it's not a villain and a hero fighting. So eventually they're going to come to an understanding and Superman's intelligence is going to help him kind of understand where the Hulk's coming from. And you also have to ask which, um, which version of the Hulk are you talking about? Are you talking about that, 
that green guy that we know from the movies or are you talking about the gray hulk who was smart but a little bit weaker are you talking about the uh professor hulk which was uh, all th you know both versions of the hulk and bruce banner mashed together into one super mega hulk that was he was big and strong but he was his his um his healing factor was huge but he he got um if he if he if he's got but he his power his strength doesn't increase as rapidly as the old uh as as the hulk did back in the 70s so anyhow i say all that to say this i don't know i mean are you really gonna have a fight to the death is superman really gonna fight something or someone to the death i know he did doomsday but that's because the metropolis was threatened doomsday was just wreaking havoc he, he couldn't be stopped he was on this march across the country and it seemed to end right there in metropolis and superman to save lives had to go for that final punch that's an amazing story by the way if you can get your hands on the death and return of superman you should my heart says hulk but my heart also says superman i'm torn i'm torn but i'm, I'm gonna say there's more information there than just who's gonna win in a fight Current Superman versus current Hulk, I'm going to give to the Hulk. So we'll say that. Our good friend Wu S. Kim charm, charm, chimes, charms, 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 chimes in. Let me get my words right. Uh, with a thought, with some thoughts on Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So I saw Dawn of the Planet of the Apes Sunday night, and I thought it was very good. Maybe not as good as some people say it is, but very good. One doesn't necessarily have to have seen the previous rise of the Planet of the Apes to understand this one, but it does fill in one or two blanks. Without giving spoilers, I will state that, I, that like the classic apes with Roddy McDowell, apes and humans are used as metaphors. In the classic films, apes versus humans was a metaphor for race relations. In this current version, it's a metaphor for territory and country relations. And for that reason, this film may not be for everyone. I found myself thinking while watching this, rather than being drawn into the world of the film and being sucked into the world, that this took place. I assume this was the intention. Michael Michael Giacchino did a fantastic work on the score. Andy Serkis proved once again, to borrow a phrase, um, from lead singer of the rock band Fozzie, he's the best in the world at everything he does. His performance as Caesar was phenomenal. Jason Clark was very good in his role. And Gary Oldman brought a name and greater dimension to a role that would have not have had much. Very good film, but it does move slow, especially at the beginning, rating four out of five. He says, now a question. We talked a little bit about this on the Big Honkin' Show, but your thoughts on the cast that has been announced for Marvel's Daredevil Netflix series. What is your history with the character as a fan? Uh, I don't have many thoughts on the casting because I'm not very familiar with a lot of the people who have been cast. However, uh, as a fan of Daredevil, I was first introduced to Daredevil in a made-for-TV movie called The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Now, if you've not watched... The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Don't go watch it now. Um, you got to be in the right mood. It's it's a it's um. I was about to say it's fun. It's not good. I hate to say it. I, I want it to be good. I want it to be better than it is, but it's just not. It was used as a backdoor pilot. Uh, for a Daredevil series. Uh, the guy playing Matt Murdock slash Daredevil was an actor named, um, I believe, Max Smith. Um, 
that doesn't seem right though. Um, I need to. Uh, I need to. Let me Google that for you. Rex Smith. Rex Smith. Um, maybe no, that's not right either. Let me. You know what? Let me IMDb that for you. This is a, this is a uh, this is a spinoff of the classic uh, segment. Let me Google that for you. And uh, here we go. Nineteen eighty nine. I remember watching it as it aired. I love the Incredible Hulk. Bill Bixby had a beard, and I'd never really seen him with a beard. And uh, and he turned into the Hulk a couple of times, but not that great. Let me see here. Rex Smith. Yeah, that's right. Rex Smith as um, as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil. Let me give you an idea of some other stuff he was in. Um, yeah, he had a few bit parts. Street Hawk. He's, he was Jesse Mock in Street Hawk. Uh, yeah. So the main character, I guess, of Street Hawk. So if you know Street Hawk from the 80s, then you know Daredevil from The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. So I, look, it was good stuff, and I really enjoyed it as a kid, but I didn't know anything about Daredevil. Once I started reading comics, I'm like, wow, this is messed up. Uh, John Rhys-Davies plays Kingpin, plays Wilson. You know what? Do yourself a favor and watch The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. But if you're going to watch it, first watch The Return of the Incredible Hulk, then watch The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, then finish it off with The Death of the Incredible Hulk. So, I think I think you should I think I think you should do that if you're really a fan of the old Incredible Hulk stuff. It's it's really good stuff and and I think you should check it out. I will I will I will then therefore ask you to do so. Um but anyhow, that was my introduction to the character of Daredevil. I read him a little bit in the comics. I'm not a fan of what happened to him through the 90s into the 2000s. They really, really destroyed the character for me. It, it got too dark, too depressing. Everyone knew his secret identity. All kinds of stuff. And so I'm not, you know, I don't know. I would rather... I, I think I, I like the Rex Smith version the best. But I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed Ben Affleck's turn as Matt Murdock in Daredevil. I really dug that movie. And I think a lot of people give it a hard time unfairly. Uh, I've said a bazillion, bazillion times. You've got to... Um, you've got to... Uh, you gotta, you got to give it a chance, especially the director's cut of Daredevil with Ben Affleck and... Jennifer Garner. Moving on, Kim chimes in. She says, hey, Steve, or to Steve. Uh, Hi, Steve and the followers of Gold. I'm a new fan. You're a listener, Kim. Thank you for trying to be a fan, but we don't have fans. We have listeners. I'm a new listener, and I'm enjoying the podcast I've heard so far. It's been quite evident from the first show I listened to. You're a big Star Wars fan, and I kind of wanted to know how you rank all six of the films. For me, it's Return of the Jedi and New Hope, Revenge of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back. The Phantom Menace, and lastly, Attack of the Clones. I'm not a prequel hater by any means, but I do think the original trilogy has a magic that nothing else has been able to capture. So, how would your list go? Also, what's your beef with Star Trek? I easily understand the Twilight hate, but Star Trek The Next Generation has some of the best television ever written. Huh? <laughs> That's funny. That's cute. Anyway, sorry for the long email and take care. Yeah, four lines. Super long. Um, All right. Here's the thing. Here's how I know you're not a prequel hater. Because you put Revenge of the Sith in your favorites above The Empire Strikes Back. That's huge. That is a huge, huge thing. 
Uh, for me, it's Return of the Jedi. And first, Attack of the Clones is my least favorite of the Star Wars films. Return of the Jedi is my favorite. The other four kind of rotate around in there. Um, I'll, I'll put The Phantom Menace at number five. I will put Revenge of the... Mm. I like your... I'm going to go with your order. I may flip-flop Empire and Revenge of the Sith. I may. But I, I like your order, Kim, and, and we're very close on that. As for what's my beef with Star Trek, we'll discuss that in a moment. We've got some, got some other, got another email to get to. Matt Marks chimes in. He says, "Hey Steve, just listen to your Patreon commentary for Spider-Man Three. It was quite entertaining. I love how you slowly came to the realization that you no longer thought the movie was good. It's kind of one reason I'm afraid to watch Man of Steel again. He says I'm afraid I won't like it as much, or that all the flaws people have pointed out will stick out. The only flaw that will really stick out to you, Man of Steel, is that shaky camera." Matthew Marks goes on to say, I listened to your Few Good Men Bad Impersonations Theater. For that, I apologize to everyone. I'm sorry. It was a good idea on paper. I had no idea how long that would go. I had no idea how bad it would be. I'd never seen the movie before, and the only thing I knew about it was you can't handle the truth line, so I was drawn in. Uh, he says, that was a really good Hamill Joker. No, no, it wasn't. I love how you did the Yoda warm-up occasionally to get your Yoda impersonation back. I was losing my voice. Picard and Dylan were great as usual. I don't know who the defense lawyer was, but I'm sure that was spot on too. That was the only one I could do good because it's a it's a southern accent. Your Honor, clearly. Uh, that was uh, Frank Underwood from House of Cards on Netflix. May the force be with you. That's from Matt Marks. Matt, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I feel like I've forced something terrible on everybody. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to, okay, I'm trying to see where we're at next. Will chimes in. He says, hello there, Mr. Glosson. I was just watching Iron Man and noticed something for the first time. Spoiler alert for Iron Man 1. The terrorist organization Obadiah Stane tasked with killing Tony Stark is called the Ten Rings. In the leader's tent, the terrorist ville where all the bad guys hung out in the movie, you could see the symbol of the Ten Rings draped across the tent wall. It is the same symbol that appears in Iron Man 3 and is associated with the Mandarin. Now, we've all seen the Marvel one-shot affiliated with Thor the Dark World and seen the Marvelers trying to fix their whoopsie with Ben Kingsley Mandarin, who should have totally been the real Mandarin. Anyway, all I'm saying is that we never technically saw the demise of the Ten Rings terrorist organization. While you probably knew all this already, I just need to write it down to get my thoughts straight. And while I was at it, I thought I'd run it by you to make sure my thought process was correct. So to summarize and post a question, do you think we will see the terrorist organization, the Ten Rings, headed up by the real Mandarin in a future Marvel movie? Uh, Will, you're exactly right. Um, I remember back when Iron Man first came out and everyone was like, well, what about the Mandarin? That's the best That's the best Iron Man villain of all time, the Mandarin. Why aren't you guys using the Mandarin? They're like, well, there's some nods in there. The terrorist organization is called the Ten Rings, and so we're leaving doors open and that sort of thing. When they actually use the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, that is the symbol. They do kind of act as though Ben Kingsley's character is the head of the Ten Rings terrorist group. So... Uh, and it makes sense that they would be angry with him for doing so in that Marvel one-shot, All Hell the King, that's on the Thor, uh, the Dark World Blu-ray and DVD. So, uh, yeah, I hope we see the real Mandarin in a future Marvel movie, and I hope he's as bad or badder than what Ben Kingsley's Mandarin was thought to be before it was outed that he was an actor. So, good on you, Will. Good on you. 
Uh, here we go. Now, here we go. Derek Graves. What's up, Steve? I've not been a listener, or I have been a listener, I'm sorry, for quite a while now, and I apologize for not writing sooner, but the time has come, my friend. I have a love-hate relationship with Geek Out Loud, and I feel I need to express why. I'll start with the love, since I know it's very possible the hate part won't make it on air, so here we go. Oh, it's going to make it on air, Derek. First off, I found you back in the Starkville House of L days and was hooked from the start. I'm a big Smallville fan, and I love the work both you and Derek did. It was in my top three podcasts, and I was excited to discover at the time, uh, discover at about the same time, Geek Out Loud. I'm a huge fan of superheroes. Used to collect about 21 different titles back in the day. I have great memories of both Geek Out Loud and Starkville that will never fail to make me laugh. I.e. the classic Muppet cast with Derek. Don't you turn that light on, Starkville finale. The Superman Returns parody, I forgot how warm you are. And my personal favorite bit, Edna. Edna! They like you. They still like you and remember you. You're a big hit. Welcome back. You're not back. You're just picking up. That's mine. You can't... You can't have that. You... That's mine. No, I didn't take it from your desk. Whatever. I love the new Disney Vault talk, and as disturbing as Quiz can be, for some reason, I'm loving the bromance. So, so suffice to say, I truly appreciate having a safe place to geek out. Sort of. Now for the hate. <clears throat> I, th I feel like we need to... Because uh, I feel like this is less uh, hate than uh, than it is disappointment. So, let's do this. Let's, um, let's cue up some disappointment music. It breaks my geeky heart to hear you dog Star Trek so much. I don't understand how you could have such a dislike for dislike for one sci-fi franchise that invented the geek in the first place. I love Star Wars and always have since I walked out of the theater in 1977 as a 10-year-old kid. And even though it wasn't my first exposure to science fiction, it did spark my interest in other areas like Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica, both original and new. And being a child of the 70s and 80s, I absolutely ate up things like The Last Starfighter, Cloak and Dagger, Tron, Space 1999, UFO, etc. But as you say about Star Wars, Star Trek is the foundation of my geekdom. I don't want to get into a which is better debate because I don't think that's a cut and dry question. It truly is up to the individual as to which they prefer more. I've always tried to instill in my kids the idea that nothing sucks, it's whether you like it or not. And you don't have to like everything... Or you don't have to like something just because someone else tells you it's better. I just find it interesting that someone like you who enjoys things like great characters, good stories, rich history, strong lessons, and fun entertainment can have such a problem with Trek. I can understand if you've had bad experiences with the Uber Geeks. You know, the Enterprise could kick the Death Star's butt or the Jedi couldn't stand a chance against the Q guys. Frankly, doesn't every franchise fan base have too many of them? I would just love to find what causes you to nice, intelligent Trek fans... The safety of a Goliverse. If you ever decide to have a serious discussion, not debate with someone on this, I'd love to volunteer. If not, I understand I won't hold it against you. I'll still be a devoted listener. So until another time, Steve, may the force be... I mean, it is a good day to podcast. All right, gang. Let's talk Star Trek. 
Let's talk Star Trek, and uh, and let's um, let's get into this thing. And let me let me explain to everyone. All right. Let me explain. Let me explain to everyone. It's a joke. How many times on this very podcast, I'm sorry, I'm quoting when I go, it was here, number one. I'm quoting all good things, the finale of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Um, I could, I've talked so many times about Star Trek 4. When I talk about the fact that I really don't enjoy Star Trek 2 as much as Star Trek 3, that's legit. I really don't. I think Star Trek 2 moves a little slow, and Star Trek the motion picture is just not good to me. But I really like Star Trek 3, like Star Trek 4. I'm okay with Star Trek 5. Star Trek 6 is great. I don't know what the problem people have with Generations is. First Contact is the best Star Trek movie ever. Insurrection is like, hey, we've got this leftover script from the... Uh, from the old days, let's do that. Is it Insurrection? Yeah, the, the last one. What was the last? I forget what the last one's called, but I didn't really see it. Here's the thing. I dig Star Trek. I'm okay with Star Trek. I'm not a Star Trek... Uh, I'm not a Star Trek uh, uber fan. I don't know all the ins and outs. The original series, there's some episodes I'm not familiar with, that sort of thing. Star Trek aficionado. I'm really not a, a Star Trek aficionado. But if you want to talk Star Trek, man, I'll talk Star Trek. I had a problem with J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, and I've talked about this on the show. Not that it was Star Trek. My problem with it was is that they didn't go full-on, let's just reboot, introduce these characters, and do this. They felt like they had to tie it to the old... Um, they, they, they felt like they had to tie it to the old stuff. It was a bit of a cop-out for them to actually use... Spock Prime to come back. I felt like they missed a great opportunity to just have new adventures, new characters, and get away. And then Star Trek Into Darkness, which wasn't a bad movie. It was badly marketed. The secret shouldn't have been kept the way it was. And it made no sense based on knowing how the old timeline went when they met Khan, Noon, and Singh, and how they all got taken to Seti Alpha, Alpha 5. Um, you know, and so that his wrath wasn't really unleashed until later. But now... They made sense of it because they're like, ever since this whole mess with Vulcan and everything, we've stepped up stuff, and of course the Klingon Wars are coming, and all that good stuff. But the truth is, I just, because I am a Star Wars uber geek, I totally dig and love Star Wars, I just kind of pick and prod and just poke at the Star Trek a little bit. I don't have a problem with Star Trek at all. So, just, you know... It's a guys, it is a safe place. You want to geek out on Star Trek? You write me whatever you want to write about Star Trek, and we'll read it and we'll talk about it. I don't have that much knowledge. Now, I will say this, and I'm being honest when I say, uh, for a while, I don't know if it's still there, but Next Generation was on Netflix, and I started doing kind of a watch through of it. And man, it's hard stuff until you get to the Borgs. I'm sorry, it just was really hard to watch some of those episodes. Uh, sometimes I feel like the morality is too shoved down your throat. If I'm being honest, if I'm being honest right now, guys, if I gotta be honest about the Star Trek, I'm gonna be honest about it. Sometimes morality is just a little too shoved down your throat. What they're trying to get across is just a little too in your face. But I do, I mean, I'm okay with it. It's, it's ships flying through space. What's not to like? Set phasers to stun. Warp 13, Mr. Scott. 
I love it when uh, when Scotty in uh, in in Star Trek for the Voyage Home is like computer, hello computer, and Bones is like use the mouse. <laughs> hello computer, I just picked up my mouse and did it. Oh, a keyboard, how quaint. Um, so there it is. The joke is ruined. No more. No more. No more. No more talking about. Um, no more talking bad about Star Trek because the joke has now been ruined. There it is. And I blame you guys that don't understand that I was just joking around. That's right. I'm bringing. That's mean. I'm sorry. Guys, I'm sorry. I got a little too mean. I, I shouldn't be so married to a joke that I just. Hold on. Hold on. I just want to apologize for being so mean about my joke being taken away and having to kind of not use it anymore because people aren't getting it. Um, sometimes we pick and prod a little too much and it, and it ends up being hurtful and painful to people. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we're still not talking about Twilight. All right, uh, moving on. Jason says, hey, Steve, Steric, maybe? First of all, I want to say I've been a listener of Goal ever since you made your debut on Starkville House of L. And I've absolutely adored the show, and I think I sent a couple of emails in the past. But other than that, I've never participated in the show. That being said, I just want to thank you so much for having such a great show. Well, it's not great yet. We're mediocre. We're working toward great. That just kept me entertained for hours on end. Now my question. In the fall of this year, I'll be attending film school. And I hope to one day create entertaining movies and content that are not only appealing to geeks like me, but also appeal to the wonderment and emotional core of the people watching. My question is, what movies have you seen that would have had a, that have had a story that touched you emotionally? For example, a movie that appeals to the wonderment in me as well as the emotional spiritual part of me is Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium with Dustin Hoffman and Natalie Portman. It's a beautifully shot film with a wonderful story and some of the most comforting and endearing dialogue I've seen in the past decade. Altogether, a lovely story about a man who owns a little toy store and is preparing for his departure by choosing a new manager. Been, there's a strong message about the, of, of the importance of believing in yourself. The Jason Siegel Muppet movie had the same effect on me as well. So that's my question. Sorry for the long setup. What are the elements of a film, or a story for that matter, that, connect to, that one can connect to uh, as a person and can affect how the one views the world around them? Uh, and that's Jason. He's the manager and tour director for Freaking Pegasus. Uh, Jason, I tell you, that's a great question. Um, that's a that's a, that's a great question, and it's and it's deep. It's really deep. I think I think the first thing is because because as I think about things that touch me emotionally, I always go to cry. What makes me cry? And I'm going to tell you, there's a moment entangled. When um, when they're about to light the lanterns, and it's just the king and his wife in this quiet moment, and they're lighting the lanterns for the long lost daughter, and they've been doing this for years, and they're just standing there in this room quietly together, and the king just rolls a single tear down his cheek. I mean, he's just he's broken, but he's trying to be strong, and just a single tear rolls down his cheek as he's thinking about his long lost daughter, and uh, and his wife comes to comfort him the queen comes to comfort him and and that moment broke me for some reason and i think it was just the the realness of that 
the and I th- I think that it, th- there are two things that happen in movies. Sometimes movies are really good, and films are really good because they go so far out that you can distance yourself from the realism, but still get emotionally involved in the characters. And, and in that case, it's the character work that matters, and it's the characters you write and how much of a touchstone they are for what is real. But then there are those moments in film that are just so real and so human and make you just know that this is this could be real life the way this is and the way this is portrayed. And I think that's really what it comes down to is tapping into that thing that that even though you may be in a situation that is so unfeasible that it's just not, you know, that's an impossible situation. In other words, though you may be in the middle of an alien attack, um, there's some humanity in, in the characters that you've developed and that you've written and that and that are there. And that and that is all the writing and the acting and everything coming together to to make that perfect moment. Um you know, I think of the moment in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin is on the side of the lava river there and Obi-Wan is having his final words with him and he just just I mean just everything that he's ever felt boils up to the surface and he just yells you were the chosen one you know there's no there's no big speech there's no big jedi um platitudes leveled at him um it's just it, it's just one man feeling like everything that he believed and everything that was good and the one person he always believed in was has has messed up and and the emotions that come out in that moment um where with all the attachments with all of the with all of the stuff that he's always been told not to, it's it all boils to the surface. And this is a great moment in a series of movies that is generally panned by a lot of people, it seems. But listen. You were the chosen one! He just yells. He just... That's all I can say. You said that you would destroy this and not join them! moment to me in the midst of everything that's going on and you're I mean you're on a planet that is completely comprised of volcanic lava and ash and everything else is going on but at that moment you and McGregor's delivery of those lines that moment with everything that you know is coming up that's just a huge moment to me that that really um really makes it real and I think that's the idea is how do you make it real in the midst of all this other stuff um, you mentioned the Muppets with Jason Siegel. That movie had an effect on me because of just how much they got right there's uh, with that, and, and the characterizations and the, and the throwbacks and everything just felt 
Right. So it's a it's a deep conversation, and as you get into film school, you'll learn some of these things, and you'll have these kind of talks. and And I encourage you to um to to get in touch with us as you do learn and grow, and you figure some things out. So, and uh, and let and let me know what you hear. This one comes from Wayne. He says, "When I heard Thor was being replaced by a woman, I just rolled my eyes." I don't like it, but I get it. Outside of the X-Men, Marvel is somewhat lacking in diversity. I don't think anyone is saying they wouldn't welcome more female and minority characters. Team that up with the fact that legacy characters catch on far more than new characters, and it's only natural they'll create more diverse legacy characters. Heck, DC killed Firestorm just to replace him uh, with a black guy. Then they had Adam go crazy and run away and replaced him with an Asian. In both cases, the stories that preceded were really good. I like the new characters, but I still miss Ronnie Raymond and Ray Palmer. I wanted the heroes I grew up with. So I get it. Female Thor, good luck with that. It might actually be good. Just don't tell me I like not having I have to like not having my heroes around. Derek's argument uh, that unless you're buying Thor, you can't have a negative opinion on this is ridiculous. I'm a fan of the Marvel universe, all of it, the whole dang thing. I don't even ha- I don't have to be buying Thor every month to like the character or to miss him when he's gone. That's from Wayne. Wayne, I uh, I I agree with you. I, I I think it's obviously a publicity stunt. It may work out. I go back to everything I was trying to say, and the point I was trying to make is this: Thor is not the hero. Thor is the person who is the hero. And if this is a lady taking on the persona of Thor, if she's if she's taking on the powers of Thor, and in honor of him, calls herself Thor, that's fine. That's fine. I'm fine with that. But it's she's not the son of Odin. And, um, and, and that's, that's my point to that. Just a couple of more here. Wade chimes in, says a couple of quick thoughts. One, I want to say thanks for sharing your love of the Rocky series a few shows ago. I had yet to ever watch any of them and you convinced me that I needed to give them a chance. At present, I've only made it through Rocky three, but they've been very good. I'm very excited for the return of Steric and the Starkville Labs podcast. I was wondering if you would be uh, giving thoughts about Arrow as well, since the shows will ham, run together in a shared universe, or if there'll be new episodes of Shoe and the Gold Feed after each episode is finished in the comics. What are you most excited to see come out? And three, what are you most excited to see to come out of San Diego Comic Con this week? Um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Arrow here and there, as as especially as they cross over and such as. But I don't know that we'll necessarily be focusing in on Arrow. That's the job of people like Michael Cohen uh, on the Quiver Podcast, quiverpodcast.com. Uh, you can also find him at um, kenobianme.com and, uh, and rebelspodcast.com and clonewarspodcast.com. And there's a long box one. What's the long box one, Michael Cohen? Longboxcomics.com. <laughs> I can't remember. Here I am. I'm I'm doing the one thing that Michael Cohen loves more than anything else. I'm pimming his podcast, and I can't get him to respond in the chat. To usually he just starts posting his uh, his links left and right. But uh, but Quiver is a great podcast that Michael does, and so he'll be doing that. Uh, Michael Cohen and uh, views from Longbox is Michael Bailey. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely be talking that during Steric. Uh, what am I most excited to see come out of San Diego Comic-Con this weekend? I always like hearing what comes out of the Marvel panel uh, and looking for... I always enjoy looking for leak, for for the uh, for the bootleg footage where people have taken it on their cameras and that sort of thing. I, I really dig that. I'm also looking forward to talking to our friend Andy at some point to see what he's up to. Um, uh, maybe we should try to call him and see what he's up to. Uh, let's see. Let me... Here's... Let me text that for you. 
uh, really quickly. <laughs> um, hey, man. Can you talk on the air right now? Send. I have sent it to him. And we'll, we shall see how he responds. He's in Sandy. He's in San Diego right now. He texted me earlier. Andy did and said uh, he was heading into lining up to see the Flash pilot. And um, I guess that means he's. I, I don't know if it means it was showing today. It's Wednesday. I didn't think stuff started till tomorrow. But anyhow, um, so I'm looking forward. Just I look forward to that stuff. I really enjoy. Um, I, I really enjoy the, the all the hype that comes from some of the uh, from some of the panels when there's a big announcement made, and I enjoy you know trying to find the the panels online and that sort of thing. I, I used to love sitting in my office when I had an office job, and while I was getting things done, I would just I'd find certain sites and I would just hit refresh as new things came out, as people were live tweeting or uh, live blogging panels and that sort of thing. So I always dig a lot of the news that comes out of Comic Con. Uncle John from Canada says, I'm continuing to enjoy listening to each and every show, especially the Marvel DC Universe-related episodes. I have to say that I'm thoroughly hooked on Arrow. I've watched Smallville's take on Green Arrow, and I find these two shows take on the character... Uh, these, shows, these two shows take on the character. Um, <laughs> Matt Crowder has texted me to derail me. He says, of course I can talk on Arrow. Oh, wait, you meant Andy. Um... He, he says, uh, talking about Smallville versus the new show, Arrow, he says, uh, I'm convinced I've somehow become more of a fan of the grittier, darker shows and their lighter counterparts. I found the first season very enjoyable and started watching the second with equal enthusiasm. The only thing that I dislike about the show, though it's a small thing, is the lack of a mask. Yes, I've heard Reed spoiled that he does get one. It just strikes me as really odd that no one recognizes his scruffy beard. I hope this show gets a run worthy of the subject matter. I'm so glad. Well, part of the the whole thing about uh, Oliver's secret identity as the arrow, as the green arrow, is that he, it's not just the mask, it's that no one would believe that Playboy Oliver Queen, it's almost the same thing that Bruce Wayne has going, going for him. No one's going to believe that this irresponsible jerk of a guy is going to be a superhero. He says, I'm so glad I've been able to catch the live shows. And I find them an experience worthy of awesome. Well, thank you. We're not awesome yet. We're working there. We're mediocre. We're working toward awesome. I enjoy listening to Disney Vault Talks, Geek Out Loud, and The Big Honkin' Show. My favorite Disney movie is, don't laugh, Beauty and the Beast. I'm not laughing. I love Beauty and the Beast. I find the characters funny. And don't get me started on Gaston and LeFou. The songs are entertaining. And yes, I'm tempted to try the gray stuff. Well, it is delicious, John. Tell Teresa that I send my regards. Teresa, John sends his regards. Looking forward to seeing Elephant Fly. Well, I've been unseen about everything when I see an Elephant Fly. Sorry for the lengthy short story. Keep up the good work and may the geek force be with you forever after. And that's Uncle John from Canada, eh? And finally... Michael Nip says, To answer John's question posed, I was always wondering why there was not an animated version of Pee-wee's Playhouse. This is where John Reed had asked us about uh, animated uh, shows... Uh, that that should have been made based on maybe some movie franchises. It would have been perfect on Nickelodeon back in the day, sandwiched between Rocco's Modern Life and Rugrats. Well, around the time of Rocco's Modern Life and Rugrats, Pee Wee Herman was kind of falling out of favor with the entertainment industry. Uh, I don't. I think Pee Wee's Playhouse was more like a live action cartoon in and of itself, and I think that was the point of it. 
John's email was more about movie franchises to see animated rather than animated franchises to see movies made of. But High Nip's got a good point there. It's, it's Pee Wee's Playhouse would have been perfect for that time. It was a little bit ahead of its time, I think, was Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, this has just come in 10 minutes ago. While I'm reading emails, of course, Wu S. Kim will send something. He says, uh, Steve is my resident Marvel guy. If there's anyone that I know that knows about Marvel, it's Steve. I do not know much about Ant-Man. Was more of a DC guy growing up. What is your history with the character? I don't know about you, but I've never thought of him as Phoebe's husband from Friends. Mr. Rudd is a superhero. Paul Rudd. What are your thoughts on him? Lastly, can it be over? Can it be ever overstated the impact that Jack Kirby had in the comics industry? He did great things with DC, like the New Gods, Apocalypse storylines. But I don't think that there is much in Marvel's history that Jack Kirby wasn't involved with. Even little things like his Billy Club, talking about Daredevil, which I think, if memory serves, was a Kirby creation. Your thoughts, sir, on Kirby? Thanks. That's a... Oh, man. We should do just a whole show on Kirby. I should get Michael Bailey to come on and just talk Jack Kirby. That's what I should do. Um, that's That'd be awesome. Oh, I'm sorry. We also... Gee whiz. Also had one from about 49 minutes ago from Luke. He says, hey, I have one thing to say. I've been listening to Ready Player One. And since you read, listen to it, you need to watch an anime called Sword Art Online. I don't want to tell you anything other than if you like role-playing online, you'll like this. The first season is on Netflix. The second season is coming in Japanese right now. I may check that out on your... <laughs> now more emails coming in instead of the chat. Guys, there's a chat for this kind of stuff. For the love of God, use the chat, people. We're mediocre, trying to get good, trying to make our way to awesome, and you guys are sending in emails as I'm reading emails. That's fine. Brian Boshin says, last Starfighter. Enough said. On to Wu's question about Ant-Man. Ant-Man, um, Giant Man, Yellow Jacket, all the same people, Henry Pym. Uh, later, his, his stuff would be stolen, and I can't think of the guy's name who stole it. Scott Lang, maybe? That seems awful. That's who Paul Rudd is playing. It's going to work, I'm telling you. The The comics have a funny twist to them. The comics have a little bit of a comedic side. And Paul Rudd is a superhero, especially Ant-Man. It's it's going to work. And I'm looking forward to what what they do um, what they do with them. So there you go. All right. Now, that's our emails. And I thank everyone for emailing us. You can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. You guys know what time it is. It's time to get into some snippets. Snippet. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has an official return date. September 23rd, we'll see the season premiere of Season 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's a show that really turned the corner in its last few episodes for me. And so I'm looking forward to what they're going to do in this second season. I'm looking forward to the rebuilding, hopefully, of S.H.I.E.L.D. after the events of Captain America Winter Soldier and the, uh, the ensuing events of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So looking forward to that. Once Upon a Time will return on September 28th on ABC. And this is a show that I have just recently, over the past couple of weeks, watched through the uh, seasons. And um, 
have really, really learned to enjoy it. Uh, it's I'm not going to say it's got Smallville status with me, but it's definitely... Mm, it, uh, does it have house status? I don't know if it has house status. It's it's a show that I enjoy. I, I enjoyed it qu- more quickly than I did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, there you go. Speaking of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Kobe, Kobe Smother, Smolders. Kobe Sm- I don't know how to say her name right. Co- is returning as Agent Maria Hill this, this season. I expect to see a lot of her. I don't think this was a big shock. Uh, it was reported as this big news. I, I expected her to just kind of naturally flow with the end of How I Met Your Mother to naturally flow into being part of the regular cast uh, and not just popping up here and there in a guest appearance. I, I really expect to, to see a lot of her uh, in this second season at least. She brings a lot to the table. She and Colson have a good chemistry, and especially the way Colson was left at the end of the season. It's going to be interesting to see how she responds to that. Other superhero movie news, Snippet. Well, let's do it just for the fun of it. How about that? Snippet. Whoopa! Um, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, has uh, it's been talked uh, for about a long time that he was going to be Black Adam in a Shazam-type movie, uh, Captain Marvel. And uh, apparently that's not right. Apparently um, he's, he's dropped a pretty big clue that he's going to be playing uh, another character, this comes from sciencefiction.com, but it was also in, it was, uh, he was doing an interview with Total Film, and this is what he said. Uh, he said, it's not the Green Lantern. Um, he said, it's the power of Superman. It's not Green Lantern, by the way. He can throw down. Just say the word. That's all I'm going to say. Just say the word. He dismissed Green Lantern rumors, but states that his character has the power of Superman. Just say the word. Well... What's the word? Shazam! Shazam. The wisdom of Solomon. The strength of Hercules. I haven't memorized what a Zam is, but I still fight evil in my red pajamas. So I really expect to see... Uh, a lot of people are saying he's. Ex- they're expecting to see The Rock play Captain Marvel. A lot of people call Captain Marvel Shazam, but Shazam is... Um, the word that Billy Bastion says to turn into Captain Marvel. And Shazam is the name of the wizard, apparently, who gave him his powers. So, And he is just as strong as Superman. He's supposed to have all the same powers of he flies and all, but he's magic-based. So he and Superman will actually fight from time to time and give Superman a run for his money because of his magic-based powers. So there you go. Uh, now, Shaq was Kazam, not Shazam. And, Sa- and Shaq was not Superman. He was Steel. So there you go. Uh, Sinister Six. Some talk of Sinister Six just before Comic-Con. Uh, this actually comes from ComingSoon.net. Release date set for the Sinister Six, The Amazing Spider-Man 3. Uh, Columbia Pictures announced today its updated release strategy for the nearly $4 billion Spider-Man franchise. The next film in the series will be Sinister Six. Writer-director Drew Goddard's highly anticipated villain team-up, which is the first of several planned character and story expansions. The film, which will be produced by Avi Arad and Matt Tomac, will hit theaters November 11, 2016. Columbia Pictures will then release the next installment, Amazing Spider-Man 3, in 2018. Now, um, 
this is something that I kind of came out of the blue for me. I knew there was talk of a Sinister Six movie. I don't know how you're going to do a Sinister a movie, a feature length movie about all the bad guys just getting together. It seems like I don't know. It, it seems like you're going to have to make your bad guys. I don't know. I don't like that idea. I'd rather them just. I don't know. But the Sinister Six in the comics was uh, one of the first villain team ups that I really recall. Um, you know, I, there was probably done before they ever did it in Spider Man. It was probably done in DC somewhere. But uh, you're talking Doctor Octopus put together the team of Mysterio, the Vulture, Electro, Craven the Hunter, and Sandman, and uh, along with himself, Doctor Octopus, and they wreaked havoc on Spider Man. One of my favorite story arcs in the Amazing Spider Man was the return of the Sinister Six when Dr. Octopus goes around and basically gets the band back together. Now, Craven is dead, so they don't use Craven. I'm trying to remember who they used. They used um, Hobgoblin, I think, because because he was, because he at the time Green Goblin was dead. So you had, uh, they, they coerce Sandman into being a part. Uh, Green Goblin, uh, the Hobgoblin, Electro, Mysterio, the Vulture, and Dr. Octopus. And that was a great story. And then they did the Revenge of the Sinister Six, in the adjectiveless title of Spider-Man, and um, and it had all kinds of different characters involved in it. Uh, the Hulk was there at one point. Deathlock. It was and Spider-Man got beat up so bad he had to get like Deathlock parts put on him. Not Cyborg, but used those kind of things. So um, no Scorpion. I was Scorpion. I don't think that Scorpion was a part of the original Sinister Six. He may have been in. Um, the version that I'm trying to remember, I could have sworn it was Hobgoblin though, um, that that took the role of Craven the Hunter. Um, there, let me Google that for you. All right, the first Sinister Six was Doctor Octopus, Electro, Craven, Mysterio, Sandman, and Vulture. The second one was Doctor Octopus, Electro, Hobgoblin, Mysterio, Sandman, and Vulture. Just as I said, um, apparently there was a third one which I was talking about, and it was. Oh my Lanta, what is this noise? What is this noise? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Oh my gosh. I mean, that just started playing. Ridiculous. Um, The third one was a guy named Gog, and I'm not familiar with this. It's a fictional character, comic book supervillain in the Marvel Comics universe. Created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane. He appeared first in Spider-Man 100, Amazing Spider-Man 103. Uh, while traveling through the Savage Land, Craven the Hunter finds a crashed spaceship and quicksand adventures inside there. He finds a juvenile minuscule Gog. So, um, there you go. That was the third team. Um, had Gog in it in the place of Sandman. Um, then, uh, Sinister Six, they call themselves Sinister Seven, was actually formed by Hobgoblin to fight Kane. Kane was a failed clone of Peter Parker. It was Hobgoblin, Beetle, Electro, Mysterio, Scorpion, not the Scorpion, Shocker, and Vulture. Uh, the fifth incarnation was formed by Sandman to get revenge on Dr. Octopus. It was Sandman, Electro, Craven, the new Craven, Mysterio, Venom, Eddie Brock's Venom, and Vulture. The Sinister Twelve was formed by Norman Osborn when he was unmasked as a Green Goblin. It was Green Goblin, Boomerang, Chameleon, Electro, Hammerhead, Hydra Man, Lizard, Sandman, Shocker, Tombstone, Venom, Vulture. And then uh, the seventh incarnation was formed during the Civil War storyline. Doc Ock, Grim Reaper, Lizard, Shocker, Trapster, Vulture. Um, 
wow, they they've had a lot. But I'm telling you straight up, um, those first three. I don't remember Gog being in that third one. To be honest with you, that that was the one in the adjective list. I don't remember Gog, but maybe it, maybe that's the case. Um, I thought that they had tapped into Sandman. I thought he'd coerce Sandman again. So I, they might have missed that on here on the old wiki. But anyhow, I, I digress. I'm surprised they're doing a movie about uh, the Sinister Six. It it really um, the Sinister Six is like the Legion of Doom. Um, I remember when Stephen Buck reviewed infomercials. That was great. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah, we're working on great here. So anyhow, um, moving on, moving on. Uh, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, snippet. Oh, that was so loud in my ears. Um, speaking of Marvel movies, Kevin Feige has talked a little bit of Doctor Strange and all this stuff that went down with Ant-Man. Uh, he's saying everything was pretty amicable. They just realized it couldn't, um... There were just a few things they couldn't make work out. Uh, there was a, a director for Doctor Strange announced, and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Someone in the chat helped me out. Who is going to be um, who's going to be directing the Doctor Strange movie? Who's going to be who's going, where are you, man? You're the one that usually usually helps me out with that. So. Um, Silence on the podcast is never a good thing. Who is supposed to be directing? It's a horror director, a writer. Maybe it's a writer, not a director. Jeez uh, Louise, I cannot think of the name. But anyhow, the point is this. It has to do with horror. Oh, the horror. Scott Derrickson. Thank you, Cohen. Philip DeGuir. I have no idea. It has been announced officially, guys. Is Scott Derrickson, what did he do? There, It has been officially announced. Um, writer of... Doctor Strange. Let me Google that for you guys. Um, Doctor Strange to be penned by Prometheus writer John Spates. So that's uh, Spates. John Spates is best known for his work on Ridley Scott's Prometheus is nearing a deal to write Doctor Strange who recently hired Scott Derrickson to direct the superhero movie. Uh, there you go. Scott Derrickson. Way to go, Cohen. Um, and who is Scott Derrickson? He was some kind of horror writer. Let me IMDB that for you. Man, we are, we are rolling on now. Sinister. Yeah, he did Sinister, which is apparently freaky. So there you go. Director is Scott Derrickson. They don't have a writer yet. We're working on a writer. Um, but anyhow, this is the question that was asked. Kevin Feige. On the less fraught subject of Doctor Strange, Feige addressed the question of whether hiring a horror director means that this will be a scary film. I would say you can certainly look at the past work of the filmmakers we hire as a bit of an indication for the tone of the movie, but not necessarily everything. The Russos, who are well known for their sitcoms, well, there's nothing sitcom about the Winter Soldier. No, I wouldn't say just because he has done only done horror movies means that Doctor Strange is going to be a horror movie means he's a talented filmmaker who we think could add something quite unique and very fresh to the particular franchise. But there could be scary moments. There are scary moments in all our movies. There are some scary people 
that Strange has to deal with, I will say. Dorme Moo! Dorme Moo is very scary. So there you go. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Let's see what's happening. Um, so there you go. Kevin Feige talking some Doctor Strange. Uh, of all the Marvel animated films that released to DVD, the one I like best was the Doctor Strange one. If you have a chance to check that out, check it out. You get a really good feel for who the character was. Now, then, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk uh, this. There's been an extended trailer for Rebels release, Star Wars Rebels, which will be debuting in October on Disney XD. Let's give it a listen here. This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. In a time of darkness, when fear ruled the galaxy. Move along. This is a restricted area. Heroes will rise. Entering hyperspace. Destinies will collide. Who is that kid? And a rebellion will ignite. I'm going to snuff out this spark before it catches fire. What happened down there? He did. We need an opening. Found one. Kids, stop! Sounds like someone I used to know. All troopers, focus your fire on... ...on the Jedi. Our future is uncertain. But in time, a new hope will emerge. Your parents must be worried sick. I don't have parents. The Force is strong with you, Ezra. Come with us. Learn what it truly means to be a Jedi. What part of Blast Them did you not understand? It's over, Jedi. Not this time. Now! Star Wars Rebels. Join the Rebellion. Coming this October on Disney XD. Excuse the intrusion, Inquisitor, but I have encountered a rebel cell. You did well to call. Oh, man. Uh, I, I'm still kind of iffy on the whole Jedi kind of stuff and that sort of thing. Um, but what in the world is happening? The animation style, which uh, originally I thought was going to be very close to Clone Wars, has less of a marionette look and more of a, you know, more of an animated film uh, feel to it. Uh, very cool. I'm really digging it. And um, I tell you, I'm hoping that little kid, uh, Ezra, is his name. I hope he shows up in Episode Seven. I hope that uh, you know an elder, you know, because at this point. He'd be he'd still be younger than all those guys, but it would be really great to have him show up and kind of tie all this stuff together. I think it'd be neat. Maybe he'll show up in episode eight or nine. But the point is this: is is if these guys aren't going to die, um, 
they've got to they've got to survive that's a dumb statement i just made so but at that extended trailer is great of course you can't skip over the fact james arnold taylor reprising his role as obi-wan kenobi and um i'm not a fan of the design of obi-wan and on these things on the trailer but uh you know um so there you go um I think I think you should, uh, but I think it'd be great to check out. I think it's going to be great to check out. I'm looking forward to uh, to really to to seeing it and uh, and being a part. Uh, also, recently um, <clears throat> it was announced uh, they they released information, uh, not released information, but they they introduced us to the Inquisitor. Your devotion to your master is admirable, but it will not save you. Nothing can. So the Inquisitor is not a Sith. To be a Sith is more than just the look. Uh, he does tap into the dark side. He's cold, he's analytical. He doesn't get angry. His intensity is, is based on the purpose, the assignment. How do you make him a dark side user with a red blade who is intimidating and physical, but is not a pale imitation of everybody's favorite baddie? And he went through many iterations once we put the Utapau and head on, it all kind of fell into place, and suddenly there was this black-suited evil Inquisitor. It felt real and human, and yet also a little creaturely and terrifying, and like it could be part of a nightmare. Keep them contained. I want them alive. It was really exciting to finally get to work with Jason Isaacs. He's fantastic to work with. I've played a few unpleasant characters. Possibly you could call them villains, depends on your point of view his job to do a very simple thing which is track down and kill uh, Jedi or Jedi survivors or people who have the force. And he's familiar with a lot of the Jedi ways and training tactics and he uses that knowledge against Kanan. He evokes classic villains that we've seen from Darth Maul through Darth Vader but he isn't just a carbon copy of them he has his own sort of unique style. We all took care to make sure our villains have a real presence, and that our heroes just can't walk all over him. This isn't like cartoons that I grew up with in the 80s where you'd have the villain lose every week and yet every week we're supposed to believe that he's some sort of threat. That, that's not what happens in Rebels. When the Inquisitor shows up, it means something, it's significant, and it's a definite challenge to our heroes. Star Wars Rebels, the Inquisitor, man, and uh, the guy who was the father of Draco Malfoy is doing the um, doing the voice, and I can't think of Draco's dad's name, but Mr. Malfoy, to you, sir. Oh, it sounds great. It just, it's, man, I tell you, I am excited about Rebels now more than I was. I've really turned the corner on Rebels. There's something else I'm really excited about. Um... Let's just play this because there's still time to get in on this if you if you haven't yet. Uh, the Force for Change, um, where you can actually win uh, the chance to be in Star Wars Episode Seven. Hi, J.J. Abrams here from currently sunny London. Uh, eight weeks ago, we announced that we were offering a chance to be in Star Wars Episode Seven as part of Star Wars Force for Change, an initiative benefiting UNICEF and millions of kids around the world. We cannot tell you how grateful we are for your support. People from over 119 countries have already participated, and that's incredible, and we're so grateful. But we're still going. We have one week left. So for this final week, we're offering you and a friend a chance to visit the set of Star Wars Episode Seven and be in the movie. But we're offering something else. 
a chance to win an advanced screening of Episode 7 before it hits theaters. By supporting Force for Change, you could win a private screening of the movie in your hometown and invite 20 of your closest friends and family. We know how much Star Wars means to so many of you, and we'd love to share the movie with you first while supporting this truly great cause. Oh, sure, go ahead. So, for your final chance to win, visit omaze.com slash Star Wars. Thanks again for your support. Hope to see you on set this summer. What's that doing here? That. So yeah, visit uh, omaze.com. That's like maze, like you do a maze with o.com slash Star Wars. Support the um, support UNICEF for a chance to win uh, a small role. I'm sure it's a very small role in Star Wars Episode Seven. Now the thing that most people, most fans, are taking away from this is the big thing I'm taking away from this. I cannot believe that they showed this. My mind is blown. Y'all, it's a mouse droid. Mouse droids in Star Wars Episode 7. My Atlanta mouse droids. Guys. Yeah. When Chewie. Oh. Uh, yeah. Mm, yes. Mouse droids. There's a mouse droid. Mouse droids are the little black boxes on wheels that roll around. They're. Apparently, I don't know what mouse droids... Maybe they're cleaning droids or some such. What What is the purpose of a mouse droid? Is a mouse droid just a vermin droid? Is that is that what it is? Is, is that... Is that what the mouse droid... It's a repair droid. MSE6 repair droid is what... According to Wikipedia. Hmm, Wikipedia discusses the mouse droid, the MSE-6 model. It was developed by the Shadra fan at Ribaxum Columni. So, um... Oh, Andy has texted us, by the way, guys, as I'm talking about mouse droids. He says, I'm in Ballroom 20, finishing The Flash, now seeing Constantine. Are you still going to be on the air in an hour or so? Uh, probably not, but we'll get them on tomorrow. All right. Um, so they're, they're repair droids, little repair droids. So they about 25 centimeters tall and ran on four wheels, although programmed for multiple capabilities. The droid was designed with only a singular function. A modular circuit make it, make, matrix was installed beneath the droid's boxy shell, contained programming for one skill. Commonly, mouse droids carried out cleanup and basic repair duties. There you go. All right. They're little cleaning droids. Oh, man. Mouse droid. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. Oh, there's an X-Wing, too. <laughs> oh, this is this is definitely a newer model X-Wing. It's updated. Um, it's not the same X-Wings we see in the original trilogy. Obviously, it's 30 years later. The nose is a little pointer. It seems to be a little bit smaller. It's a blue stripe down the side instead of a red stripe down the side. And uh, the X-Wing pilot who comes and gets in, is he's clothed ever so slightly. It looks a little bit different. It's more of a red outfit. The helmet even looks a little bit different. But it's still the same kind of thing. We're in this universe, gang. This is the Star Wars universe that's being made. Now, if you can help out with this, you know, there's no shame in heading over to omaze.com 
slash Star Wars. It's a force for change. Um, you can, uh, it, uh, I tell you, the screening, the private screening is huge, um, you know, to win this too. $10, you, you can, one entry is $10 and um, uh, you can enter often, you know, as much as you want to. They have rewards for um, for what you can do, but with everything, you're entered to win um, that role. So there you go. Anyhow, uh, it's just really cool. Star Wars, X-Wing, I'm there, guys. I am I am on board. It took me a while. It took me going. We had to lose a lot, you know, and, and, and it really, um, it really, uh, it really took a lot, you know, uh, because we, we went through so much. We lost the Clone Wars. We lost the 3d releases it just seemed like they were taking more than they were giving and now to know it's happening man to know it's going down to hear kevin smith talk about being on the millennium falcon of all things just wow 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 just good times great time to be a geek look man we're living in a world where ultron is going to show up in an Avengers movie. We're living in a world where we've seen Hulk and Thor fight on screen. We're living in a world where, uh, gee whiz, we can complain that a Superman movie wasn't good enough and Superman, Batman are finally going to be on screen together. And we're living in a world where everyone loves Iron Man and Captain America. My Lanta, how is that not good? How is that not good? You know, years ago when I started this thing, years ago, seven years ago when I started this whole thing, I started it because there were so few people getting what I got. There were so few people who I could sit and talk with and who would understand what I was talking about. And now we rule the world. The biggest movies at the box office are us. We're getting a Guardians of the Galaxy movie in just a couple of weeks. Now, on that's the biggest thing on my radar right now. I've still not seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I've, I, I just haven't. I haven't had the time. I haven't really had the money to go sit and watch it. But, man, Guardians of the Galaxy, August 1st, it may be the first opening day movie I go to in years. I haven't been to an opening day screening of a film in a long time. And this may be it. I am so stoked for Guardians of the Galaxy. And the fact that we're getting such a <clears throat> such an obscure in a way it's it's a huge chance that marvel's taking and and i hope that you guys will go out and support them because i do think the movie will be good and i do think it's going to be worth seeing and so i i really hope that that you guys will go out and support that so that marvel continues to put out quality movies i really they they've just been knocking it out of the park time and time and time again so um that's the world we live in we live in a world where there's new x-wings we live in a world where um, we live in a world where all this stuff is is just being a reality, and it and it blows my mind, and I'm I'm so excited for it. Woo asking chat what was my last opening night. Brian's is Muppets too, not mine. Uh, we didn't go on opening night for Muppets Most Wanted. Um, I don't know when the last time I went to an opening night was. Woo, I really can't say. It's how long it's been. Um, and I won't go open at night. I'll go open in day. I want to marathon as, you know, uh, as much of a small crowd as possible. I, you know what? I went to Man of Steel on the preview night. So 
that's that was okay. I was there for Man of Steel. You're right. I was there Man of Steel preview night. But anyhow. All right, gang. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Geek Out Loud. We've had a ton of emails and several snippets and uh, some interruptions here and yon. Overall, though, we continue the. I think we continued at least the mediocre trend. I think that's. Um, and I mean, what more can you ask for? You know, what what more can you really, really ask for the mediocre at this point? But uh, but I think we'll get there. Um, I think I think maybe one day we'll we'll actually hit that awesome level. One day. We love to hear from you at Geek Out Loud. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, twitter.com uh, at uh, geekoutloud at Steve Glosson. You can follow us on Facebook, like us rather on Facebook, facebook.com slash geekoutloud. For everything else, you want to go to geekoutonline.com. There you'll find the link to be able to subscribe to the Goal Insider, the Goal Newsletter. Uh, that we send out every now and again, six weeks or so, to let you kind of know what's happening in the Goldiverse, to let you know what's coming down the pipe. And, uh, and, and if we get more T-shirts, that sort of thing, you'll be the first to know about it. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. I am humbled and so appreciative for all the support shown at the Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. If you want to be a patron, uh, head over that way and do so now. Um as low as you want to as much as you want if you need to change your level go ahead and do that if you need to if you decided you want to do more you can do that we've got the next exclusive podcast coming right around the first part of april and it's going to be uh steve uh, it's going to be steve i'm steve and i'm steve uh it's going to be dave jones and i watching x-men the last stand and uh talking through that now that's one we both like so hopefully there won't be a spider-man 3 pulled on that if you're wondering what I'm talking about, exclusive podcast to Patreon supporters at the $5 level or more, check it out. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And thank you to everyone who has supported so far and uh, looking forward to doing more and more and more of this as we roll on. Episode 100, two weeks away, and, and things are already happening that it's going to shape up to be a really special, fun show. And hope that you can be along for it as we get there. You might want to tweet Dave Filoni, ask him to get in touch with me. Talk some Godzilla after Comic-Con. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. We'll have him on. I'm kidding. Don't tweet Dave Filoni that. Or do. Just however you feel led. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. This has been your safe place to geek out, even about Star Trek. But still no Twilight. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud.